0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. Um, each week over the last couple of months, I've tried to choose one word to describe um, the episode. In other words, fun, interesting, crazy. Um, today's word is complex. And the reason I use the word complex is um, the in building wireless industry has been around for at least 20 years. Uh, I remember uh, there was actually a company called Inbuilding Wireless. And they're, um, this is probably going back 15, 18 years. And their sole purpose was to go into buildings and make sure cell phone coverage worked and maybe you know work on Wi-Fi a little bit. Uh, and ironically, uh, they left our industry and went into the medical profession because our industry was having trouble, uh, was struggling with who should pay for the infrastructure inside of a building. For years and years and years, building owners point their finger at carriers and carriers point their fingers at building owners and saying, it's your responsibility. Hence, I have been in beautiful stunning class a buildings biggest cities in the world leaning against the window trying to get a cell c- uh, coverage uh, in order to make a phone call and unfortunately or fortunately depending upon how you look at it um, the conversation is not getting any simpler so even you know, if you could bring up our illustration um, this is something i'm working with a group on uh, we're probably eight weeks into calls once a week and and we started with the idea of, okay, let's try to understand what, what the consumer electronics players are, are putting in their phones. So we can kind of get a look into the future and understand what it is we're gonna be wanting to do with our cell phones inside of a building. Okay, so on the left side, these are kind of some of the big buckets, the Gs, the three, four, fives. What do we use that for mobile device, voice and data? Well, of course, we need Wi-Fi. And then we've got new stuff coming, not new, but becoming more popular. Proximity, NFC, UWB, and BLE. And then all of a sudden, satellite stuff used for GPS. And Apple just announced a new application using satellite. And, And then again, and then finally, smart building automation, which is connecting all those devices, smart building devices, potentially up to a 5G or some type of a G network. Uh, and then on the on the right side of the iPhone 14 is all the different radios that we now find inside of a phone. And that'll tell you where they're going. And, and then as building owners and operators uh, need to prepare the buildings to be able to receive information and communicate with these radios. So with that, let's bring on our two guests. We've got two great guys who are actually part of that Friday call. John Morris, CEO of Ballast Networks, and Chris Wixom, VP of Wireless Commercial Sales in Corning. Guys, really good to see you. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah,
0: and, and I think you'll attest, um, uh, we, th- we thought those calls were going to start out simple, and I think we're probably into the sixth, seventh week, and the document keeps getting bigger, and uh, so far we're still in the, oh my gosh, we're creating more questions than we have answers, but I think we're getting close to, to turning a corner, but I want to thank you for your participation in that as well, because uh, it takes a lot of good brains to try to solve this one. So let's do this. Why don't you take um, 30 seconds and just do a quick intro yourself. Give, some pe- give the people some uh, um, perspective on your backgrounds and, and how you got to this place of dealing with in-building telecommunications.
1: Uh, so Chris Wixom, uh, vice president of wireless sales for Corning, have been in this building for quite, or in this building, in this industry for quite some time. Started out working for AT&T and Sprint and then I uh, got into this business about uh, 18 years ago. So I've been doing in-building wireless for quite some time. Awesome.
2: So I'm John Morris, I'm the CEO of Ballast Networks. I've been in, doing every aspect of wireless infrastructure for more than 25 years. And uh, been doing the in-building wireless uh, business since uh, 2011. And formed ballast networks uh, to provide connectivity in the in building environment using both DAS and private networks.
0: Awesome. So, so both of you pretty credentialed in this space, which by the way changes every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> enter Elon Musk and Starlink, right? <laughs> yeah. Just just one other thing that we have to think about. All right. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a lot of different radios, and and for the most part, this conversation. We'll touch about, you know, the the we'll, we'll touch on the smart building component, all the the systems and devices in the building. But for the most part, this conversation today is going to focus on when a, a tenant or a visitor walks into a building with an iPhone, iPhone 14 or, or other Android device with all the radios inside that little device coming into a building, what are they going to be expecting to do? And and um, what is the building owner going to need to do to prepare to make sure that happens? And as I mentioned, you know, we've got uh, the the cellular communications, we've got DAS, we've got Wi-Fi. Let's start with you, Chris. How big and complex is this in building wireless challenge?
1: So it's it's interesting. I'm not sure I would even call it a challenge. I call it an opportunity, right? There's so much happening right now with Wi-Fi 6, 5G coming out, um, significant changes in additional spectrum that's available. Private networking, the applications that go along with that—that um, that is a huge opportunity to make a very big difference uh, for the organization that you work in. So I would just say, don't be scared of the of the challenge. It's it's an opportunity, and um, and then just leverage uh, experts to help you help you through it. John, anything you want to add to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just. In terms of the in-building environment, I, th- I think, you know, I always tell people that in Manhattan, there's 60,000 commercial buildings and there's like 300 DAS locations and you've got, you know, the amount of bandwidth required growing at 40% a year. And, you know, as that happens, you know, you take more bandwidth away from the macro network and you, you create a lot of challenges in that in-building environment. The same point. You know, a lot of the platforms and equipment that uh, Chris's company that puts together, Corning and others, you know, there's an opportunity to not just solve for the in-building connectivity for voice, but also deal with IoT and edge compute, right. location-based services, and other other technologies that can really, you know, help the tenants and clients of a invisors of a particular building.
0: Well, let's. Let, I just want to go back to the point you made. 60,000 buildings in Manhattan and only 300 das systems
2: it's something like that it's it's a real small number uh, not a percentage so
0: based. so so does that mean people living working shopping in in those buildings that are not outfitted are not going to be able to take full advantage of all the applications and systems and solutions that people are walking around with their cell phones
2: no I mean I'll let Chris answer this to, I don't want to monopolize this conversation, but I would say that, you know, there's only so much signal that can come from the macro environment outside in into these environments. And there's only so much you can do with Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi has its limitations. Certainly Wi-Fi is a big part of the solution. But, you know, in terms of what you can have happen from a technology perspective to not have quality wireless services in your building, I think is a real problem for vacancy, for tenancy, et cetera.
0: All right. All right, um, let's go, Chris. Uh, in preparing for this, I said, guys, give me your top three challenges or issues or points, opportunities that you want, that you think should bubble up to the top of this very complex conversation. Chris, why don't we start with you?
1: Yeah, I would say the, the, the three that I would probably cover is, is one is let's start at the base level with your wireless infrastructure. Um, you know, you, you want to look at this, I would say, from uh, across the board uh, in a comprehensive way. And so what does this mean? Uh, it means that you're, you're trying not to do parallel networks. Uh, as, as John was saying, you, you've got Wi-Fi, you've got cellular, you've got security, potentially building automation. Uh, John even mentioned uh, uh, location-based services. There, there, there are applications mm-hmm. and infrastructure that just do that. So I would say the first thing first is look at what you're trying to do and look at it from a comprehensive perspective because if you can do that, uh, you can cut 30% off of the cost of deploying, uh, you know, uh, disparate uh, parallel systems. So, and we at Corning would say the best way to do that is to do a fiber deep uh, architecture. Um, you can do that because fiber is so small. I can have uh, six to 12 to even 24 paths in one small cable, and, uh, and when I do that, I can put Wi-Fi and cellular IT security, private networking, and other types of infrastructure over that same cable. So it's a converged build, it's not really convergence. so you still have your uh, separate paths with your fiber in there, uh, so you maintain your security and your, 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 they're still separate networks but it's one uh, infrastructure pull that you're doing and it provides extra paths for the future as well. So that, that's probably the first thing that I would say. And the other benefits of that, particularly in this world, is uh, we're trying to drive uh, sustainability. Um, and uh, if you can reduce your fiber, or, um, if you can reduce your copper needs by 70%, if I can reduce the cooling and the power and other types of things that, that you need, uh, then that can be very significant for developers. Um, in particular, uh, this approach, if you do it right, can even uh, eliminate the need for telecom closets, as an example. So it's, it's pretty significant. So that's, that's number one. Um, number two is uh, frequency. Um, and, and this is where I was talking about how exciting it is right now that we've got so much change going on. 5G, 4G to 5G, and that uh, movement is, is is a great thing. But, but the other thing that people don't realize is there's a lot of new spectrum available. So uh, that green area over the left on the chart is kind of what we've had traditionally. That's what we've been doing in building wireless for years. And the blue area in the middle is really where 5G is focused right now. And, and uh, it's a variety of things called C band, which uh the carriers just spent ninety billion dollars on uh to, to introduce this to the market. What does and the C stand for? I'm
0: sorry. What does the C stand for in C band?
1: John, I don't know. What what uh somebody no, said no, yeah.
0: continuous earlier. That's not the case.
1: You know, <laughs> no that's idea. a very good question. I've never okay. actually asked it. All um, right, didn't mean to interrupt, sorry. Yeah, no problem. But uh, it's it's uh, it it really is an important change to our um, to our capability to do wireless in building because it's it's literally like going from dirt roads to a super highway because Mm -hmm. you're moving to from like ten megahertz chunks that we used to have uh, in the past to you know hundred megahertz chunks that that you can do. So you can do quite a bit more uh, with um, automation, with streaming, with uh, with your connectivity needs over this this spectrum. And then that the middle one in in between is something called CBRS, and and that's really private networking. So it really changes the dynamics of what you can do with this spectrum because you can own and control the spectrum in a much greater way. Um, And then finally, what we're really not gonna talk a lot about today, but that purple area over on the far right is actually millimeter wave. And we at uh, Corning do a lot of millimeter wave. That's really for high capacity venues, stadiums, airports, and the like.
0: So what inning are we in as it relates to C-band?
1: Oh, we're just in the initial throes of it. So really? okay. C-band was uh, initially deployed. I think the first C-band deployment was for the Super Bowl uh, this year um, down at SoFi Stadium. And, uh, and now the carriers are uh, in the throes of, of deploying it pretty aggressively ac- across the board. Uh, I think you're going to see 2023, 2024 being major years for uh, C-Band, which brings me to point three, uh, which is budget and funding Um, in general. uh, Carrier funding has decreased pretty significantly. Uh, So many uh, building owners are resulting to fund uh, in building systems themselves. Um, I would just say, don't look at it in terms of a black and white type of situation where you're going to fund it or the carrier is going to fund it. In many situations that we've had recently, uh, it's actually been a mix uh, and there's actually quite a bit of funding out there for C-band right now. So you might fund the traditional bands and then have the carriers come in and fund some of it for, for 5G C-band.
0: Is it getting easier for owner operators to deploy wireless or more complex and difficult?
1: Well, the technology is getting much better and easier. The, the space that you need for head ends, the, the, the remotes and the capabilities of the remotes have evolved quite a bit over the years. But certainly if you go back to that uh, frequency chart, it's pretty complex. Uh, you've got quite a bit of different frequencies and capabilities that you need to consider to deploy this. So it, it's, when I first got into this business, my big change was going from a tri-band to a quad-band system uh, now you're looking at, uh, many, many bands and many frequencies that you have to consider. Interesting. All right, John, before we get to you, let's take
0: our brief commercial break, and then we're going to come back and and get your three points. All right, John, so of the hundreds of issues, topics regarding in-building wireless that we can talk about, what are the three that bubble up for you?
2: So I think, uh, you know i want to kind of parallel or add on to what uh, chris initially talked about one is the need for a holistic approach to uh in building connectivity so we think there's a lot of value in working across the different teams in this environment having an approach across the portfolio um, but really understanding when you're doing a retrofit of a building uh, for other purposes, you're opening walls uh, or you're doing a greenfield build uh, that's different than something that's an existing location where you've got poor services where you may not have the uh, capabilities to open the walls and do those kinds of things, um, may dictate different kinds of solutions and the cost of those solutions. And so I would, I would talk about greenfield versus brownfield I think is is interesting. I also think cost is pretty interesting. If you can use a platform like Corning's or uh, with fiber to the edge, and you can use it for multiple things, uh, multiple technologies, I think it's different than if you're just trying to solve for a particular uh, issue. Um, There also may be technologies that come into play uh, depending on what uh, a carrier may or may not be willing to pay for in a particular location. And so who pays is pretty relevant so the economics of these builds uh, approach, portfolio-wise, uh, is important. And you know, looking at a strategy uh, that can be uh, repeated across that portfolio, I think is, is very compelling. Um, and again, you know, we're 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 very comfortable with a lot of the different OEMs that are out there, but having a very disciplined approach, I think, will make this business a lot less complex. Uh, as you move uh, through time and space.
0: So so from a business standpoint, um, if you took a hundred building owners of various sizes, shapes, c- capabilities, IT staff size, I mean, just a nice mix of, you know, going in any downtown and choose a hundred buildings randomly. What percentage of those hundred buildings will have anything that, even looks close to a comprehensive wireless strategy. And you guys talk to a lot of people. What's the number?
2: I would say it's like 5%, 2%. You know, I think outside of the the large um, REITs that have a lot of staff that got very seasoned CTOs that have the budgets to be able to holistically approach the portfolio um, and can do so on a recurring basis. I don't think there's very many, honestly.
0: And, and I don't, don't, uh, Chris, you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I, I I would think that that is very, very true. And, um, one of the questions that, that we get asked is, is where do you go? How do you study? How do you get smarter at this so that you can understand it? And, um, and, uh, and sometimes, honestly, I say you can't. It's, it's a very complex uh, situation that, uh, that changes quite a bit. And so my uh, biggest advice that, that I give clients that I talk to is, uh, is work with a consultant that has expertise in this space, um, you know, a trusted one, uh, like John, as an example, uh, to, to help you understand and, and move through this space. Uh, unless you do have a dedicated team that that's on it, it's it's very difficult to stay on top of this uh, because it's changing every day.
0: And I think that's a significant point. I mean, in any given head of IT, head of telecommunications, whatever you know, title they're given, you, you do this maybe two, three times in a career, you know, or if you move from one company to another, maybe one or two more times. But overall, you have to relearn every time you do it because things are changing. And if you don't have somebody on staff, that's a parochial and effort. Somebody like John and other consulting companies, this is all they do every day. Right. And, and so they're actually, they have to stay up to speed. And and I've been a proponent of consultants my entire career saying, you know, at some point you can't be an expert in everything and getting somebody who is an expert makes an awful lot of sense. Um, so, so the percentage is low. I, I've asked this question to a number of people and nobody can really give me a definite answer, but let's throw it out there how much activity from a cell phone with especially given all these new features and capabilities, how much activity is done inside versus outside? You guys oh. have any idea?
1: Oh, yeah. It's uh, 80, 80% of uh, calls and activity are made indoors. And, and that's increased uh, o- over the years. You said and, 80%. Yeah, 80%. And and the other thing that I would say is I didn't mention before when we were looking at the spectrum chart, uh, one of the things that makes uh, it more difficult as we move to higher frequencies, which is in that spectrum chart that we were looking at, it's very difficult for those spectrum to, or that spectrum to penetrate in building. Right. And so the need for a 5G strategy and a 5G uh, in building uh, system becomes all the more important and greater because those signals can't penetrate.
2: I would just I would just add on to what Chris said and, and make the comment that with LEED certified buildings, people trying to be very en- energy efficient, you end up with metal in the glass and metal does not allow for uh, signal penetration from the outside in very effectively. And I would just add to we were, had a, we're having a conversation about tethering and people's use of their phone for everything, um, you know, as that you know, when you have a situation where you've got a fixed amount of money people pay for their phones, but they have unlimited data, they have no incentive to move from their phone to Wi-Fi. Right. And so, you know, one of the challenges that buildings owners have is I still want to service that guest that's coming in that's not moving to the Wi-Fi and how do I do that? And so the demand for these and building services, whether it's you know, growth of entertainment, whether it's, you know, use of other technologies, you know, this energy efficiency, you know, the demand is 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 not expected to, you
0: know. Well, in, 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 in a five-year horizon, I've actually had some, been involved in some pretty interesting debates on will 5G or will the Gs ultimately replace 802.11, right? You know, and, and as it becomes more prevalent, more pervasive, more powerful, will we will we see a convergence of, of activity into one making it easier now I don't need one, two or three different networks in my building I, I truly only have one um, i you don't need to comment on that I just just want to make that point
1: yeah, I think it's I think it's been an ongoing debate for years and depending mm-hmm. on what side you're on, uh, others say that one's going to replace the other uh, I, I would say that the, the needs for capacity are ever increasing. And that you're always going to see the the different systems um, complement each other, not replace.
0: Well, well and I, I there I, I sent both you guys an article about Elon Musk and how they're expanding the capabilities of Starlink. Um, you know, from from a GPS perspective, I, I would keep my eye on Elon Musk as well. I, I know that may sound crazy, but you know that man has thrown suitcase-sized satellites up in, in the air and is is doing more for less as all of his companies do. So. I think we have some other technologies at the edge also gonna be nudging in on this conversation, You know, not sure. today necessarily, but certainly down the road. Final you know, question, it, oh, go ahead.
2: Real, real quickly, there's one of your audience members uh, made a, a comment around carriers versus landlords having to pay for these uh, solutions.
0: Ongoing debate. And,
2: and it's an ongoing debate, and I mentioned it earlier. I will tell you that it's not possible for the carriers to pay for all of the systems, they couldn't build out fifty thousand buildings in Manhattan and still pay their dividend. But you know, is there some middle ground around you know these uh, business models between the carriers, the billing owners, and you know the carriers that you know work?
0: You well, know? That, I mean, it, if you take it, you. If you take your number of 360,000, and there was an article this week about one of the carriers saying, we're done, we're topped out, no more investing, um, you know, how do we fill that gap? You know, and that, that's been an ongoing question for 15, 20 years. It's great to have the infrastructure outside, but if you're trying to get inside and the building owners don't feel they need to pay for it and the carriers have no more money left, I, I think we may continue to see ourselves at an impasse. So we got to work on this. It's not a technical issue at this point. It's a business issue.
1: Yeah, and I would just add for those that don't know it, you don't necessarily need a capital budget uh, if you're the enterprise or a developer doing that. There are third parties out there that will finance and build and, and manage this for you, uh, and turn it into an expense-based model. Um, that's been doing quite a bit out there as well. Yep. Yeah, I would yeah. just,
2: I would just, yep. I would, I would definitely agree with that, and I would just say that there's you know the structured cabling uh meaning that you whether it's the fiber at 60 and making sure you take care of that fiber uh take care of that structured cabling in the building because if you have that where you need it then you're only paying for the equipment on the ends and that's that's a really big deal
0: well and for years i've been using the analogy of water you know telecommunications is as important as water right and, and, and the, the utilities are responsible to bring the water to the edge of the building, and you're responsible to put in the pipes, right? And, and in, in this world, as we become more and more reliant on telecommunications, I do think there's a certain responsibility, and it sh- may be shifting, that, that owner, landlords, operators, you know, take responsibility for that telecommunication infrastructure. And, and there are creative ways to help pay for it, but somebody's got to step up and do it uh, at some point. Um, all right, so with, we only got a minute or two left, so if you can maybe take a minute. Chris, we'll start with you. You're meeting with a bunch of people. They're asking you all these questions about wireless. You can tell that they're confused. It's Friday afternoon. You're ready to go for a beer. They're asking you for some advice for a Monday morning meeting they're having with their CEO. Just give them 30, 45 seconds advice on next steps or, or what they should do regarding in-building wireless.
1: That's always a difficult question because it depends on who I'm talking to. But, um, but I think for a broad audience, I would say, uh, it's pro- there's so much change going on is probably worth, uh, looking at your current plan, reviewing it, uh, and, and thinking about, uh, things that we've talked about today and have you considered that as part of the plan. And then secondly, um, given the benefits of being able to pull all of this together, uh, Who do you need to pull? How do I pull the different people at different parts of the organization, pull them together uh, to look at the plan and and make sure you're looking at it in multiple ways as opposed to just uh, a siloed approach? So I try and break that siloed approach.
0: Very, very good point. John?
2: I would just make, you know, if it were just a conversation around, you know, for a Monday morning meeting, I think right now when you've got, low utilization rates in a lot of these buildings, it's the optimal time to invest in this kind of infrastructure when you don't have a bunch of people that you've got to work around to actually put that infrastructure in place. And so I would encourage people to take the initiative and uh, get working on it while while these buildings are, you know, people come back and people uh, figure out the new normal.
0: Right. And all my 30 second add on would be, you know, in a day and an age when you know certainly younger people uh, you know, are tethered to their phones, rely on them heavily. We've already seen it that, you know, walking into a building with your cell phone, whether it's a A, B or C class building, if, if you don't have coverage inside that building, that's going to impact occupancy. That's going to impact people signing leases. That's going to impact tenant satisfaction. So I don't think this is something you can avoid, regardless of what size, age, size your building is. And I think, you know, finding somebody like John as a consultant or others out there to sit down and have a conversation and understand the options, understand the expenses, but don't wait for people to just stop signing leases in your building to figure out that maybe it had something to do with your inability to make a phone call or send a text inside your building. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, I'm sure this conversation is going to continue. This is—I'll call this chapter one of a ten-chapter book. <laughs> um, and thank you so much for your time and effort and willingness to educate the market and the community. Um, I really appreciate that. And I'm hopefully we can have you back on. And yeah, we had a lot of great questions we didn't have time for, but we'll dissect those questions. And who knows? Maybe we'll do a real calm episode just based on on just one of those questions because. They're important, and we want to get uh, answers to these folks. So thank you both, and have a great day and great weekend.
2: Awesome. Thank you you very much. Thanks for having us. All
0: right. So with that, let's bring on my favorite part of RealCom Live, the news, uh, where Howard Berger and team come up and help you sort through all those millions of articles. Uh, We know it's not. It's automated. It's a little art, a little science, but Howard and the team do a great job. So take it away and tell us what the heck's going on this week in real estate technology.
3: Thanks, Jim. And great show. Really an honor having John and Chris. This in-building wireless really needs to be unpacked for so many owners and occupiers who, who really can't understand the complexity or it's very difficult. Thank you guys for sharing some light on this huge topic. So for the news, uh, just a couple of highlights from this week's new, weekly news briefing that goes out every Thursday morning. So our lead article this week is by Jim. Uh, it's entitled China Tech Competition and the Impacts of the Built Environment. And so Jim started this discussion way back in uh, 2002 20 years ago and over the past 25 30 years the Chinese communist party has really architected an explosive ascension of China's tech ses- sector it's literally dwarfed the efforts of the rest of the world ai biotech uh, big data 5g nanotech solar quantum computing power technologies robotics iot and not to mention they've been systematically cornering the market on the building material on the material building blocks for these technologies like lithium and cobalt and rare earth metals to help us better understand these growing risks and opportunities. Realcom's now working with Google's Dr. Eric Schmidt. And he has a newly formed organization called the Special Competitive Studies Project, SCSP, which was modeled after Nelson Rockefeller's Special Studies Project, which was created after World War II. Now, Warren Wilson is the director of economy at SCSP, and he's gonna be introducing this topic. At court, to our Quor Tech audience in Silicon Valley on November 15th. So, uh, just to mark down. Please learn more about this uh, in this week's article, and if you can, join us at Quor in November for a much deeper dive. Uh, now, I also want to shout out to this week's tech partner, RE Transform, for their submission called "Measuring Your Portfolio's Financial Performance Is the Key to Making Future Investments." And in this article, Manisha Rivas and Ann Spolbert from RE's Transform, they talk about effective real estate financial modeling and how it's a critical tool to corporate decision-making on financial assets, like sensitivity, scenario analysis, stress testing. It all helps manage risk and understanding the impact of changes on your property and portfolio KPIs. So bottom line, the right financial modeling tool can help uh, manage multiple property valuations, investments, budgets, portfolio all in one app. Check out this great article by Manisha and Ann at re, RE Transform. Uh, so every week we also spotlight a smart building project from our Smart Building Best Practice Showcase. And this week it's Boston Properties Embarcadero Center and how they tackled after-hour HVAC uh, on demand. So Embarcadero Center is one of the largest mixed-use complexes in the Western US uh spans five blocks in san francisco's financial dr- district and like a lot of other dense projects they were really concerned with how do you optimize hvac costs, not only during regular operations but especially during you know uh, during uh during events like the pandemic when you had you know high operational costs but the utilization of the buildings is like near zero so they thought focused on working closely with the tenant tenants to come up with a strategy to limit on-demand HVAC requests only when necessary. And this week's Best Practice Showcase project focuses on this transformative project. So read about it uh, in the advisory. Next, uh, MRI Software unveils its next-generation real estate platform. Good news from the Ascend Users Conference. Earlier this week, MRI Software, global leader in real estate solutions, presented its vision for the next generation of its open and connected technology platform, MRI Agora, at the Ascend User's Conference in New Orleans. And this MRI Agora platform is going to enable real estate uh, businesses to make better decisions through better connected data with better process automation and the ability to connect various data platforms and applications uh, in a common data model and modern user interface. Uh, So way to go, uh, MRI, and finally, Uh, New York City's, uh, on New York City building, it switched on an interactive LED glass installation. And in this ANC's installation in the Tin building in lower Manhattan seaport is the largest deployment today of a fully transparent LED embedded construction grade glam media glass in the U.S., so this is fully programmable glass. Uh, you can program the content on it. The glam media glass covers more than 1100 square feet of space surrounding the escalators and turns it essentially into a giant programmable led screen. And as you know, we, you know, we, we are real calm, uh, and I become love to see adoption of these immersive technologies. So great job in ANC. And if you're in the area, stop by and see it. So lots going on. So check out these in this week's briefing.
0: Yep. Uh, Again, millions of articles, lots of opinions, but you really do a great job at honing in on the relevant stuff that's really making a difference. And just a a brief mention on that article, that China Tech article, you are correct. Our conversation started in probably 2003 and then we traveled to Asia and, and we saw it all firsthand. We came back, we tried to communicate what we saw It was difficult. Fast forward to twenty nineteen, where we met in in Nashville with a small group and kind of started the conversation up again then the pandemic hit. But uh, there is a lot going on in the space. And I would really encourage everybody just to read the article, not for the article, but for the link to SCSP, their website and this one hundred and eighty page article uh, on on future competitiveness of the u s as it relates to technology, and the built environment is smack dab in the middle of all these conversations, whether it's 5G, whether it's smart buildings, smart cities, um, we have an important role in all of this. And the sooner everybody understands the size and scope of the challenge and the opportunities, uh, the better. So thank you for, uh, for uh, highlighting that and for doing a great job on the news. Thanks, Jim. Have a great weekend. you all. All right. So before I give you next week's show, let's take uh, and hear from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. All right. As Howard mentioned, um, this wireless conversation, next stop for the wireless conversation is Cortec. Cortec is our corporate real estate event we've been holding for 12 years. We actually put it on pause for a couple during the pandemic, so we're just getting back. Smaller event uh, by design. Um, It's really meant to be a single room conversation, uh, uh, overwhelmingly uh, end users, corporate real estate, professionals, facilities, workplace, and the goal there is in a quiet, more quiet, closed room environment to attack some of the biggest issues that we've got um, uh, facing the corporate real estate world, the tenant side, the occupier side, everything from in-building wireless and wireless infrastructure to, you know, what does a hybrid workplace look like? What are some of the new technologies to, to create immersive experiences inside these new 21st century offices. It's going to be a great, great, great event. Um, and next week, we're going to have Kapil Lahodian, uh, the Chief Digital and Technology Officer for the Global Works uh, Workplace Solutions Group at CBRE. I mean, massive service provider, largest in the world. And this, this uh, and Kapil focuses on the corporate side of the conversation. He'll also be speaking at Cortec. We got a great uh, two segments with him. Uh, he's going to tell us everything that's going on inside the corporate real estate world as it relates to what they need back at their corporate headquarters, as well as what they need in their regional offices, retail outlets, and more. It's going to be a great episode, and we really want to thank Kapil for being on with us. And with that, I'd like to bid you farewell for today. You have a great day, great weekend, and we will see you next week on Realcom Live. Be well.